0: Hey, guys, and welcome to the Money Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. There's nothing that better fits the definition of double-edged sword than rising interest rates. Because if you're a saver, you love the idea of rising interest rates. It's been years since we've had bank accounts and other safe havens paying more than a pittance. But if you're a borrower or a stock investor, you are no fan of rising rates since that means paying more for everything from credit card balances to home mortgages. Investors also prefer lower rates since cheap money leads to higher asset prices, as you've doubtless seen if you bought houses or stocks over the last few years. So no matter who you are, though, whether you're a saver, a borrower, an investor, or any combination thereof, your world is about to change because the government agency that controls rates has signaled that within a month or so, rates are rising. Most experts predict the Federal Reserve Bank will hike the Fed Funds rate by at least a quarter percent at its next meeting in mid-March, and experts are forecasting as many as five additional rate increases before the year 2022 is done. Therefore, whatever your situation, now is the time to prepare for higher interest rates, and that's what this week's Money Podcast is about. We're going to talk about specific moves everyone should be considering in the weeks and months ahead. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist, Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hello. So let's get the ball rolling. But first, our usual disclaimer. Should we discuss specific investments in this show? And we might. Don't take them as recommendations because they're not recommendations. We can't recommend things to you because we don't know you. Before you invest in anything, do your own research and please make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the topic at hand.
1: So, what do you think, guys? Are you scared of rising rates? Kind of. I mean, I'm not super scared of rising rates. Mostly because, like, I I have I have the ability to like handle like some of the stuff that comes with that. Uh, but I think you know, if you have if you have a lot of if you have like consumer debt and like variable debt, then yeah, that's something that you might be concerned about. Uh, I I. Bought my car in the summer and locked in a nice low rate. So,
0: Well, I, I'm a major stock investor, so I'm a little nervous about rising rates. Uh, I'm looking right now. What is today? Today is the 17th of February. The Dow Jones deductible average is now down 5% for the year. Uh, so the, the, when rates go up, and they have already gone up even though the Fed has enacted, the 10-year treasury bond is now at two uh, a little over 2% as I speak, and was, that's twice what it was last year. So r- rising rates, even the thought of rates going up, even though it hasn't physically happened yet, the Fed hasn't, reser- hasn't raised rates, the market has raised rates. And that is causing stock prices to go down because people are going to put money where it's safer. If they can, they're going to take it out of the stock market and put it into the bond market. And this is something I've seen happen a million times because I've been doing this for 45 years. Um, so whenever rates go up, stock prices tend to go down. As you're going to learn, not all the same way, but it, it, but I'm not real happy with with uh with rising rates. Uh, okay. I would like to earn more savings. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron.
2: What? Well, how do you answer that? Okay, so, so there's a lot of people like uh I guess this guy Greg McBride from Bankrate says, I know him. He's a
0: he, friend of mine actually. Not a friend, but I I've known him for many years.
2: He says you gotta look at this from a different view. If you look at it from different view, he got you've got you got uh economies expanding, you got unemployment's falling, corporate profits are expected to grow. Um so, and then you got a lot of other articles out there saying, you know, whether the stock market is bad or whether it's good on average over time, it returns 8%. So where is there, where is there an incentive to like throw your money in a T-bill at 1.6% when you can still at this point probably still make do better in the stock market until it goes over 8%.
0: Well, I just told you the stock market's down. The Dow's down 5% so far this year. That's not making money. Uh, and the S&P 500 is down 7.4%. And let's see, the um, NASDAQ, tech-heavy NASDAQ, is down 11.5%. It's mid-February. And, the NAS, and remember, the NASDAQ was up 20-something percent last, last year. It's not down 11.5% now.
2: So, but if you that know, turns around and, and goes back up, now your money's locked into a bond.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but you can could, you could also go to cash, when I say cash, I mean well, like a money market fund. I'm not buying bonds now at 2%, but, I'm, but I'm,
1: I'm keeping a lot of powder dry because the stock market is not doing well. Or you could just, you know, index and not worry about it. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you own, the, you own
0: uh, an S&P 500 index fund. It's down 5%. Yeah,
1: and, and it'll be up again. 7% in, rather. Right, and it'll be up again later.
2: Yeah, and every time you open the news, there's a, there's a billionaires out there that are buying all kinds of stocks still.
0: Well, so, yeah, but well, we're going to talk about some of the stocks that do better than others. I mean, just because the Dow's down 5% or the NASDAQ's down 11% doesn't mean all stocks are down. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. But let's, let's take a step back before we do this, though. Let, let's, let's make sure everyone understands, wh- okay, why are interest rates going up right now? Uh, now, we, now, we mentioned that the, the Fed is about to raise rates, but why are they doing that?
1: Well, because, like, right. So, one of the things that the Fed does to try and keep a lid on inflation is rise in, raise interest rates. Uh, higher rates uh, mean a like mean that you know you are going <laughs> to higher rates just mean that you know it's a, it's a way of keeping a cap on inflation. People aren't buying right. as much, all of that kind of stuff. And so, so really, the Fed's kind of addressing this inflation issue that we're running into.
0: Right. The the Fed has two mandates. One is to keep inflation in check. Two is to is to maximize employment. Those are the two things that they're that's their job. Their job has nothing to do with making the stock market good, bad, or indifferent. So right now we've got really horrible inflation. Seven percent, seven and a half percent was the last uh, CPI reading, and that's way above their target, which is two percent. So what they're doing is they're raising rates to try to lower inflation. Now the reason there's inflation in the first place is twofold. Now you can look at this any number of ways, but these this is the way I would boil it down. Uh, the the government stimulus I think made our inflation worse, but a lot of it is big post COVID demand. We talked about this since we started doing this podcast. There's a lot of people who weren't able to spend money, especially on services, uh, so they bought goods. So there was a lot of demand for stuff. That's why we have supply chain issues now because people can't they can't manufacture it and they can't ship it fast enough. And so that causes prices to go up. That causes inflation. And then when you put on top of that, now people blame Biden for inflation. One of the things, though, there's inflation all over the world. So it's not Biden. Okay, there's inflation in Europe. There's inflation in China. However, our inflation is worse than it is in Europe. And the reason why is because we sent out giant checks to a lot of people in the United States because of COVID. People weren't able to pay their rent. And so we decided as a nation, through our representatives, to send checks to people in the mail so they could pay their rent and they could buy food, you know, if they were laid off restaurant work or whatever, so they didn't starve. That that was a decision we made. But that's a lot of income, a lot of money that came into people's pockets, and they used that money to buy things, and that caused prices to go up because there's, you know, more demand than there was supply.
2: That money has to be used up by now.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've got some bad news for you from the latest round of earnings calls, as far as that inflation theory goes. Um, so, uh, the latest round of earnings calls, if you start digging into them, what you see is that they're crowing about their increased earnings and they're crowing about everything else because they've jacked up prices and they're using inflation as an excuse. It's there in the in earnings calls, their profit margins. Like, if all they were doing was bowing to the demands of the market and just passing on the 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 rise in prices like their cost increases onto consumers, their profit margins wouldn't be widening. Uh, but now they're widening, and there were a couple of, of, of uh, folks on earnings calls, and if you go back and look at the transcripts, you can find it, who are straight up saying, oh, there's room to keep jacking up prices. Uh, we don't think the American public are done paying for it. So... Part of it is actually a little bit of um, <laughs> a little bit of uh, profiteering at this particular juncture. Yeah, and,
0: and I don't I don't doubt that that's true, Miranda. I, I believe that. Um companies are raising prices because of because of inflation and they can use that as an, t- to take yep. advantage and raise their prices even more. Again, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's I, there. I, I I've been down this road many times, not many times, <laughs> but several times over the course of the decades I've been investing and and of course, you know, if you own a business and you can get away with a with a price increase or or putting less cereal in the box or whatever you can do to make a bigger profit, you're going to do it. And I'm sure, I think that's happening, but there's also pressure on these companies too. The inflation is real, uh, and one of the things right. that's making it real is is labor. Because remember, there's a great resignation. This is this is a sign of our times that people quit, and a lot of them quit because of COVID, and a lot of them quit because they're older, like me, and you know they didn't want to put up with it, so they just quit working. Well, that means there's fewer workers. The demand for workers is higher, and that means you have to pay them more, and that winds its way through. And what happens when you pay them more? The price of your product goes up. What happens when the price of your product goes up? The people, who the people, workers want more money to pay for those things, and so it becomes a spiral.
1: We're and that's actually- why. the... But we're not in a wage spiral right now. If you look at it, we're not in a wage spiral. In f- like wages are still much like the increase in wages is still much lower than the increase in inflation and increase yes. in prices. So we're not actually in a wage spiral right now, and we're not anywhere not just, near. No, a we're wage not in a spiral.
0: spiral at all right now. But I'm just saying <laughs> no, that's but, the danger. That's a good
1: excuse to raise prices, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right, and, and part and part of the reason. I didn't say all of the reason was wages. <laughs> I said part of the reason that there's inflation is wages. I believe most of the reason for inflation is because of demand from. In, from COVID, uh, i think that's that's part of the problem there's people buying stuff there's there's more demand for stuff than there is stuff uh, and then there's supply chain issues like the problem with um, with mike or what are they called um, what are oh, the, the, the
1: semiconductors yeah so,
0: thank you yeah the, the semis they can't get them for their cars so the price of cars i just read today as a matter of fact that uh, people are paying 10 percent more than sticker price for cars and that's because there's more demand for cars than there are cars you know, and, and so I'm not suggesting it's all labor. It's it, because inflation is uh, by, I mean, it is more than labor. Inflation seven percent. I think, and I want to say off the top of my head that labor prices or labor's gone up like four percent. So it's just it's part of it, but it's not all of it. Um, but it, anytime you have really really low unemployment, like we have now and have had for some time, really, um, you're going to have pressure on wages, and that's going to well, put pressure on prices.
2: Wouldn't that stand a reason though? If you put all that together, if if people are still buying things in droves, and they're raising prices, whether it be you know for nefarious reasons or not, wouldn't that uh, bring record profits in? And then, then by the next few quarters, wouldn't that raise uh, profits in these companies and make the stocks go up?
0: Yeah. It, well, it can. Yes. And now, see this, and this is getting into the heart of what we're going to talk about today too, because inflation doesn't hurt every company. Like I just said, the stock market's down, Dow's down 5, and the, and the S&P 500's down 7 and the Nasdaq's down 11. But that's not true of everything. There are people who are making money uh, through this stuff, and that's generally speaking, it's companies that can pass along price increases. What are the companies that are least likely to be able to benefit or, or get hurt the most? They're companies that don't make money at all. Uh, because and, and and this we've seen. We've seen prices come down 50, 60, 70, 80% on some high-flying stocks. Because if you don't make money, then people are going to be afraid of your stocks uh, in, in, a, in a rising rate environment. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, one of the, the ways you combat a rising rate environment. I, I've gotten creeped on a couple of my stocks. Um, like, for example, PayPal. Uh, PayPal is now trading. I, I bought it like 200, now it's 100. So I've lost 50%. And that's because it's a stock that has a very, very high P.E. ratio. In other words, its earnings were, were not, its earnings didn't justify its stock price. I've also, I also own a ton of Apple. Apple's gone down. It's like 170. The high is only 182, though. Apple's hardly gone down at all. Why? Because they make piles of money. Piles. And so that stock isn't getting hurt. And if they need to, do you think they won't raise the price of an iPhone? You bet they will. It's, it's relatively inelastic. So they can raise the price and people will still buy it. And that's the kind so, of company you want to be in.
2: So you think like small caps would really probably do well during this time?
0: Well, same, same type of thing. Actually, traditionally, small caps do not do well. Small caps, no. for those of you who are uninitiated, means small companies. Um, small companies tend not to do as, as well because they tend not to be as solid a moneymaker. But that's a really broad category when you say small companies. Small companies that are really profitable, that can raise prices, uh, are going to do the best. Another example, oil. Oil companies. I own a bunch of oil companies. Why? Because that's, they just, the, the price of oil goes up, they make more money. And if you're in an inflationary environment where, where commodities are going up and all commodities are, I own gold. Finally, it's paying off. Gold's over $1,900 an ounce today. Uh, I read uh,
2: somewhere that fracking's about to increase a lot, and it's about to pump out a lot of oil.
0: Well, this is, this is how supply and demand works, right? The price of oil goes up to $100, and everybody starts drilling in their backyard to try to get some oil. And then you've got an oversupply, the price comes back down
2: the profits are doing so well in oil that they that, that they can afford to uh, increase production in oil and still be ahead. Yeah. Something like that.
0: Yeah. And and that and that's what they'll do. Ultimately, this is how all this stuff ends. Yeah, uh, you know, we were just talking about cars are in great demand and that's why the price people are paying more than sticker. Well, what's going to happen is because of that, they're going to make more cars than we need. And so same thing going on with houses, you know? The, ultimately, this is how this is how capitalism works. Things get too expensive, and then they, they, they pump out more of whatever it is, and then they pump out too many, and now there's no market for them, and now and everything goes down to price, and then what you have then is a recession, and that's why we have what's called a cyclical economy I feel like i'm I feel like I'm teaching a class now, and I shouldn't be okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay well, I mean, so anyway
1: so anyway, well we've got a whole thing and 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 uh, there's a whole wonderful thing about uh how uh tyson jacked up its prices extra and johnson and johnson considers addressing suffering and death part of optimism and opportunity and also jacked up their prices uh but what can we do about it that's probably what, what we need we to do, do, do is, you know, what, you know what
0: we'll do we're gonna we're gonna take a break We're gonna get away from the, your your cynical communist attitude uh,
1: for, 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 for how, how can it be my cynical communist attitude When these guys actually put it in their earnings report I
0: know, I know I think there's a little truth to that But anyway, here's the point Let me take a really quick break And we come back We give you specific things you need to do When interest rates are rising Okay, we'll be right back Okay, we're back Okay, we're back. okay comrade <laughs> What do you think we should do? I actually, by the way I, I tease Miranda a lot actually on, uh, I, I'm actually on her team most of the time so i am just teasing her um but anyway so what what do you want to do i've got a few things i've got here lots of stuff we've already covered number one beware of bonds Uh, in our last podcast we talked about how bonds think of a seesaw when you think of bonds if interest rates are going up bond prices are going down okay so if you're in a long-term bond fund it's going to lose value as interest rates go up okay Uh, now if you, if you own a single bond, you can hold it to maturity and you'll get your money back. But be aware that if interest rates go up, bond prices are going to go down. The longer term that bond is, obviously, if it's coming due tomorrow, it's not going to go down. But if it's coming due 30 years from now, so the longer that maturity is, the more that bond or bond fund is going to fall. So be Wait, aware I'm
2: confused. That. I thought bond interest was fixed. Bond interest
0: is fixed, but the price of the bonds is not fixed. -hmm Okay, let me, let me get, I'll see if I can you make a really you, when, quick example. If you example. go to buy a new bond, you mean? Yes. Let me, let me okay. see if I can do a real, make a real quick example without going into too much detail. I, I buy a 10% bond today, a 10% treasury bond, okay? It's guaranteed to pay me 10% for, until it comes due 30 years from now. Then, then I get my principal back, okay? Now, suppose interest rates go to 20% and I want to sell my bond. Well, my bond only pays 10% and a person could buy a brand new one today for, that pays 20. Why would they buy so, mine?
2: So, there's, okay. So, they'd buy mine if it was it. half
0: the price because then it would pay 20.
2: So, there's nobody there to actually buy your bond for you. Well, there's
0: always somebody to buy your bond, but how much are they going to pay for it? If I right. put $1,000 into a bond that pays 10%, somebody could put $1,000 into a bond that pays 20%, they're not going to buy my bond unless my bond is worth $500. Now, my bond also pays 20%. That's mm-hmm. why bond prices go down as interest rates go up. Okay. You with me now? Now I'm with you. Okay. Now, the other thing you want to be aware of, and we brushed on this a minute ago, but let's get more specific. Stocks. I said, be, be careful of stocks without earnings. Roblox is this company that I wanted to own. They're, they're one of these metaverse companies. They make no money, though. Um, the stock at as high as 150. They announced earnings yesterday. The stock is 54, okay, because they have no earnings. Stocks without earnings are going to get hurt when interest rates go up. So what you want to be in is stocks that not only have earnings, but also have a moat. And when I say a moat, I mean they have a moat around their castle. In other words, you can't compete with Apple. You're not going to, you're not going to beat them. So get a company that has a really, really solid product that people are going to buy no matter what, and that they have control of the price over.
2: Would you, be- say, would you say it's a possibility that uh, some of these like, roadblocks will go down even further when the Fed raises uh, rates maybe around March?
0: They may. It's, it's hard to know because a lot of what's happened so far is the anticipation of rising rates. So sometimes when the actual thing occurs, it's already baked in. So it could be that they go down at all. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know enough to, to know that. I would have to be able to read the future, and I cannot. So, but you know, a lot of this stuff has already happened because the Fed hasn't even acted, and the market's already gone down, and, and the yield on the 10-year has already gone up. In fact, today I read that the, the average mortgage is now 4%. And that's 1% higher than it was six months ago. So, this is, and what's that going to do? It's going to hurt people who are trying to buy houses. So, anyway, but, you know, so beware, beware of stocks without earnings. Uh, but do remember this, too. The reason that interest rates are, are rising and the reason the Fed is acting is because the economy is healthy, it's, it's overheated. You know, rate, raising rates is what the Fed does to tap on the brakes because the economy is doing well. So that's why it's it's it is it's kind of weird when I say, you know, stocks should go down when rates go up. But also the reason rates are going up is because the markets, the, the economy is healthy. Boy, so-
2: down here in Florida, you can feel that too. When you go out to a restaurant or anything, and places are packed. Yeah. You wouldn't even know COVID's happened. You wouldn't even know, you know, that there is raising interest. I mean, everybody's out doing stuff.
0: Right. Yeah. And remember too, what Miranda alluded to a little while ago. Uh, she was decrying the fact that companies will mask—they that they will mask a price raise with inflation. But remember, if you own the stock of that company, if they're raising their prices pretending like infla- it's inflation-induced, well, you're making more money. So owning that stock is a good thing, you know, would be a good thing to do, even if the company's not doing the right thing, if that makes sense.
2: Would you say—because um, uh, big, large banking institutions like, you know, J.P. Morgan or whatever, Bank of America— because the interest rates are rising, do they stand to profit this year for, you know, because of uh, car loans, home loans, all that kind of stuff?
0: Absolutely. In fact, I am going to give some, I was going to give some uh, suggestions on specific things to own uh, when rates are rising, and one of them Aaron is financial, the financial sector uh ETF. So bec- the reason that banks make more money, remember that banks are borrowing they're, they're borrowing short and lending long. They get to borrow money at the Fed funds rate, 2%. But they can load it out at 15 on a credit card. So the more the spread is between long and short rates, the more money banks make. So as rates rise, generally speaking, banks are doing better. So that, that's, that's why I own J.P. Morgan and several other banks. And also oil companies I mentioned before. You know there are, com- there are some companies that do better when rates are rising. And banks are definitely one of them. Insurance companies also. Because what does an insurance company do? They take your premium that you pay for your car, your home insurance, and what do you think they do with it? They buy bonds. And if rates are rising, they're earning more money. Right? So they're more profitable. So, so banks and insurance companies are two groups that you would want to own when rates are rising. And they may, they may do well.
2: That's very true. I own some Berkshire Hathaway. And yeah, great company. Because that guy, he owns a lot of those staples that you talk about that do well during— A rising uh, interest, like, I don't know, whatever, staples like Coca-Cola and insurance companies and and banks. (laughs) And uh, out of a lot of my stocks, that's the only one that's actually constantly increasing. It just keeps going doing well.
0: Yeah. And Coca-Cola is another one, a good inflation hedge too, because what do you think they'll do? They'll raise prices and you'll still buy it. Um, Now, another thing you want to do, so that's something about stocks. I'm going to give you some some ETF ideas here in a minute. But um, what about loans? this is a time when you don't want to be in loans for i hope what our hope are obvious reasons because as soon as the fed raises rates mortgages have already gone up but as soon as as soon as the fed raises rates the prime rate will go up and then your car loan will go up your credit cards will go up your private student loans will go up so what you want to do now before rates go up or you can do it. you can wait if you want to but Get a 0% interest credit card and transfer your balance onto that and pay it off as quick as you can. Um, If you've got a variable rate loan, make it fixed. If you've got a variable rate mortgage, refinance to a fixed rate mortgage while rates are still low. So that's a good thing to do too. And now here's something interesting that I read that's a little disconcerting. What you would think if you have a bunch of money in cash, and I do because I don't want to put more in the market when it's this bad, you you're going to have, about to get a whole bunch more in your savings account, right? Well, maybe not, maybe not, because I I just read that the banks are not immediately going to raise their savings rates. Why? Because they don't need to. They've already got a bunch of cash, and nobody's borrowing money, so that, so they don't need to. They don't need to en- en- entice you to deposit money in your savings account that they can lend out. Uh, and when they need to, they'll raise the rates. But remember, a lot of these things are. The, the Fed can raise the Fed funds rate. That's all they can do. Everything else is basically an auction market. The, the bank's going to raise rates when they need your savings deposit. If they don't need it, they're not going to raise your rate. Uh, same thing with mortgages. If mortgages are supply and demand, are they, are they kind of tied to the 10-year treasury? A little bit, sure. But they can, you know, if everybody wants a mortgage, they're going to raise rates to you know, supply and demand. So a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily automatically happen just because the Fed's raised rates. But anyway, if you are a borrower, time to be less of a borrower if you possibly can be. Miranda, I've been talking the whole time. What, do you have anything to
1: add to this? No, because you wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to do yeah. that. No, but no, seriously, like, um, you know, because, you know, we're talking about, I, I do like to buy cars and uh, buy them with a low with a low interest rate and, uh, just keep my money in the market and let my money in the market grow. And so, yeah, so, um, looking at that, you know, I'm, I am glad that I went ahead and, and got the car, got that locked in, um, and, You know, I pay off my credit cards each month, so um, that's not a huge, huge thing for me. I don't usually have to worry about that. But like you said, now is a good time to start looking at what you can do to lock in lower rates. Um, If you have private student loans, refinance those to. If you have a variable rate, look into refinancing those to a a lower rate. Um, And it's just really a good time to just start um, taking a look at your finances and where you need to reposition yourself.
0: Yeah. And you've heard me say too that you know I'm not taking money out of the market, but I'm not lowering my my stock market funds. I'm lowering my expectations. Uh, as I've mentioned several times, if we've all talked about several times, the stock market's done twenty percent plus for three years in a row. Uh, it's its historical average is ten. In order to revert to the mean, it's going to have to have a down year sooner or later. So lower your expectations if you don't lower your investments. But as as Miranda would say though. Keep putting that money in every month because you're going to be buying stuff. When you know Wall Street's one of the only places in the world where when things go on sale, people don't go shopping. So you know, use use these, use a bad market to start accumulating positions and quality companies or to just add to your S and P 500 mm-hmm. index fund. Not a yep. time to panic; just a time <laughs> to adjust your expectations.
2: I just saw a lending tree advertisement on my uh, on a webpage that said uh, refinance for two point. 8% or something like that, or 2.08%. I'm like, who who can qualify for that? Yeah, well, it's probably <laughs> coming
0: a 15-year from? loan and all, all kinds of other stuff. But well, it, or, or it's what they're promising. You know, we We're talking about average mortgage rates when I said 4%. That's the average for a 30-year non-jumbo loan or something like that. I mean, you can always shop for deals, and you should. Uh, this is also a time when I was talking about uh, banks not raising their savings rates. This is time to start looking at that, though, too. Start shopping your banks. If you go to moneytalksnews.com and go to our, um, our um, what's it called, our savings center, um, you can find, we, we have a, a thing where you can look for better banks that are paying the highest rates. Start doing that. Get used to the idea of shopping your rates, because some banks are going to keep theirs as low as they can for as long as they can, but other banks are going to raise theirs to attract deposits. So be shopping your rates, just like you would shop for a mortgage rate, shop for your savings rates too. Uh, okay, so now I'm gonna. We've got almost no time, but I'm, I'm gonna give you. This is actually from Kiplinger. Let's give them a hat tip. They seven ETFs for rising rates. Okay, one was financial sector. I mentioned that before. This is a, a, a ETF that buys banks essentially. Also, there's an insurance ETF. I mentioned that too. Um, there's REITs. Uh, that is real estate investment trusts. You can either buy the REITs or buy a REIT ETF. Because real estate tends to do well, as you have seen, when rates are rising, real estate will go up in value because it's, it's a um, finite asset, but just like gold, uh, what, what's not going up is crypto, uh, which is supposed to be an inflation hedge, but it isn't. It's now big today, as a matter of fact. Um, also, there's, there's floating rate bonds. You know, when you have a variable rate mortgage, well, there are companies that borrow money at variable rates. And so as rates go up, they earn more money. Uh, That is, the lender owns more money. And there are ETFs that have floating rate bonds in them. So that's a good thing for you to be looking at as rates are rising. Uh, Vanguard has a short-term corporate bond fund. So remember I said the shorter the term, the less you get hurt when interest rates are going up. So if you're in a long-term bond fund, you might want to look into a shorter-term one. Um, and then there's also tips. I'm not a huge fan of tips. These are these are Treasury inflation protected securities, tips. And, Miranda, you like them? Is that true or not?
1: Um, no, I think they're interesting. Like if you're if you're intro like I don't I don't have very many. Bon- I don't have m- much in the way of bonds in my portfolio, just because I'm not to that point in my retirement journey. And so, so yeah, I think tips, tips, I think work for people who are concerned about like, okay, uh, I want to put a portion of my, you know, in I bonds tips and I bonds, um, because, and right now, I mean, I bonds are just doing gangbusters. So as far as yield goes, but, but the problem is right. Is that um, those those yields don't continue. They have their underlying fixed yield that you'll get no matter what, but then you have the uh, the rest of it that may not necessarily um, it
0: resets. It. Does it reset every yeah. six months?
1: The I bonds reset is? every six months. Yeah, and so so yes, you may not. Keep getting that yield in the future, so you just kind of have to be aware of that. But it can be a way if you are interested in just being like, okay, I want something that's going to give me a little more income, and that income is going to reflect what's going on with inflation. They can be nice. I like I you know they're not terrible. There are worse cool. things.
0: <laughs> and and you know, And by the way, before we quit, I want to do one more thing. I, I want to explain what the yield curve is because this is kind of important. I know this may sound like it's in the weeds but I really want you guys to understand how the yield curve works and what it's telling us right now. If you look up bonds right now, the, let me see, I'm looking five-year treasury is paying 1.858%. The 10-year treasury is paying 1.981. And the 30-year treasury is paying 2.3. Now, have you ever ever heard Aaron, have you heard the talk about the flattening yield curve? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Here's what it means. When when, sh- when short-term rates are the same as long-term rates, that's called a flat yield curve. Traditionally, short-term rates are going to be lower than long-term rates, which makes that sense. Make sense. That makes sense. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah. Because if I'm going to give you my money for a longer period of time and lock it up, yeah, I expect you, should you to or, give you should me more interest. Yeah, you should okay yeah, Exactly. So when the yield curve flattens, that w- and that's just, we're pretty flat now, the 30-year bond is paying 2.3%, and the 5-year bond is paying one85 that's not much difference, about a half a percent difference. So that's kind of a flattish yield curve. So what is that telling us? It's telling us that in the short term, investors think that rates are going to go up. That's why the 10-year has gone up a whole bunch. It's doubled. But in the long term, rates may not be going up. And what is that telling you? It may, it's telling you that maybe inflation's not going to be around that long, mm. that people aren't afraid of inflation 30 years from now or, t- or f- 20 years from now as they are now. Now, sometimes you can get a situation where the yield curve is called inverted, which means the, the long-term yields are lower than short-term yields. And you know what that usually indicates? A recession. So if you want to keep an eye on the yield curve, look at a site like CNBC, which is where I am right now, and you can see, and if you ever see that the 30-year is below the 2-year, Watch out below because that's almost nothing's a perfect indicator, but that's often been a very reliable indicator of a recession ahead. And what we're seeing right now, though, is that even though rates are rising a lot in the short term, and this is what the Fed's going to change. They're going to they're going to change very short term rates. okay the Fed funds rate. But if the rates don't go up in longer, longer terms, then it's then people are telling you that market is telling you that inflation might not be that bad for that long. That make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So keep an eye on that, guys.
2: We should throw that link in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Will. I don't know if we got anything on that in the show notes. I might, though. We've got a lot in the show notes. But anyway, let's do our question
1: and we're out of here. <laughs> okay. So, Kylie, this is a pretty long one. So put on your thinking cap and get ready. Take notes. I'm ready. Kylie says, my siblings and I inherited a traditional IRA, Roth IRA, and money market fund from our mother when she passed away on 11-7-21. It took two and a half months for all siblings to sign documents and receive funded beneficiary accounts. I was under the impression that all my mother's accounts ceased to fluctuate in value the date of her death. No, but apparently they did not. And with the downturn in the stock market, the two and a half months since her death, the value of the account's. Has dropped from 105k total to 97k total. 8K is a lot of money for me to lose in just 75 days. How can the stock bonds continue to be traded after her death? Is that legal? I feel there's nothing I can do about it now, but I feel deceived by the broker and wonder if continued training and fluctuations affecting my mother's accounts before distributions to her beneficiaries was even legal. Please advise.
0: Okay, so we've got a couple of things to unpack here. Let, let, let me just see if I can restate for those of you who got lost in that long question. Basically, Kylie's—and by the way, Kylie, I'm sorry for your loss. Kylie's mother died, uh, and between the time the estate was settled, two and a half months, the time she died, from the time her estate was settled, her, the accounts went down by $8,000. And so Kylie's saying, like, that ain't fair. Uh, shouldn't, shouldn't it have stopped trading when, when my mother died? And the answer to that is Sure the broker cannot trade or should not, it should not be legal for the broker to trade anything after the death of your mother. However, the investments she already owned are still going to fluctuate in value until they're sold. Now those investments could have gone up $8,000 during that two and a half month period. They didn't. The person who has the right to trade those accounts, that is sell them or, or do anything else is the executor of the estate. I don't know who that is in this case, but just because your mother died doesn't mean her investments are going to stop fluctuating in value. So that is nobody's fault. However, had that being said, I was a broker and I've been an executor too, for that matter. Uh, the broker should have called you, called whoever the executor is anyway, and said, Hey, do you want me to sell this stuff right now? Uh, as soon as, because you, you notified that broker of your mother's death, the executor did. Uh, and so the broker should then say, do you want me to sell this stuff right now and put it in a, in a money market account? Whoever, either the broker didn't call them or the executor didn't call the broker or no decision was made. No, so in summary, the broker does not have the ability to trade anything. The broker could have sold had they been instructed to do so. But the fact that your mother's investments fluctuated in value between the date of death and the time the, the estate was settled is nobody's fault. And that's just what happens. So did, did, did you guys did you guys yeah, follow that answer? I totally
2: follow that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's the deal.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. Like, and even... I think
0: had they gone up eight thousand dollars, I don't think Kylie would be complaining. But yeah, you, you yeah. can't have so, it both ways. It's know?
2: really important if you're uh, an executor to uh, a estate to uh, get on point with everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you're in charge. They, you know, you essentially are responsible for what happens to those things. And I don't know whether Kylie was the executor or not, but the broker should still have notified whoever was the executor and said, you know, do you want to. You know take a chance here and let these things keep fluctuating or do you want me to sell them right now? Could have done that. So we are out of uh, out of time guys but we're never out of topic. Dig a little deeper Lots of links in our show notes and remember if your goal is to make more to spend less to retire rich. Your online home is money talksnews.com and don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well that is Miranda Marquitt com. If you've got a question comment or topic you'd like to suggest we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. Hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. And one last thing, if you appreciate what we're doing, do a little something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you a couple seconds. Helps us, though. So if you like us, show us. And subscribe and tell your friends, too. I'm Stacey Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette.
2: Let's all exhale and get rid of a little inflation anxiety. Oh, let's do that.
0: (sighs) Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll see you right here next time.